What's going on, family? You have just tuned in to Case Catholic Radio. As always, I am your host, Steve Perry, and I am getting back into the swing of things just about the same way you all are. So, a couple of months ago, we put out an episode entitled Faith in a Rationalistic Culture. In that episode, we deconstructed the notion that advances in the empirical sciences have somehow made faith in God, the Father of Jesus Christ, irrelevant, foolish, or only for the simple. We did this by, through an analogy, pointing out that as far as these questions go, any attempt to determine the nature of what transcends uh, perception using tools and systems that rely on our perception is doomed to fail. Our conclusion in that podcast was that science doesn't make our faith irrelevant, but a poor philosophy of science has convinced many smart people that it does. If you haven't listened to that one, definitely do. As always, the actual podcast says a lot more than I can in a two-sentence summary. But there was something that we didn't do in that podcast, and that's this. Rather than simply pointing out that advances in empirical knowledge haven't made our faith irrelevant, point out instead how empirical knowledge and reasoning very powerfully support our faith. So that's what we're going to be talking about actually in our next three podcasts, starting with the witness of the apostles, moving on to the continuing reality of miracles related to Christ, and then talking about the subject of exorcisms and the power that Christ and his servants have over evil spirits. Over the next three episodes, we're going to defend this claim. When you consider all of Christ's story, the story of both his earthly life and his continuing life in heaven and in the church, the only way that it all holds together is if Christ is who he says he is. So with that said, kick back and listen as we talk about how the history of the witness of the apostles suggests that what Christ told them and us about himself is true. It's no secret to anybody that the apostles preached the gospel which they received from Jesus after he returned to his father. That's pretty common knowledge. But why or how is it that I say that the fact that they did so, the fact that they witnessed, substantiates scripture's claim about who Jesus is? To answer that, we need to look back a little bit further in history to what we know about the apostles before and during Jesus' earthly life in ministry, and who it was that they expected Jesus to be. You see, the way that the Hebrew Scriptures, or the Old Testament, were read at the time, the way that the prophecies about the Christ, the Messiah, were most often interpreted, was in terms of a man who God would send to restore the earthly kingdom of Israel to its former glory and beyond. The Gospels give a pretty clear impression that it was in this light that the apostles saw Jesus in the beginning of their personal relationship with him. Believing that he was the promised Messiah, they put down their nets and followed him because while they knew he was going to restore God's kingdom, they believed that by that was meant the kingdom of Israel. For this reason, 
many of the accounts of Jesus speaking to his apostles in Scripture is him trying to make clearer and clearer what it actually meant for him to be the Messiah. He tells them, the Son of Man came to give his life as a ransom for many. He tells them, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. And he tells them also, if you do not eat my flesh and drink my blood, you do not have life within you. The list goes on. To give credit where credit is due, though, the apostles, well, other than Judas, do seem to grow in understanding throughout their time with Jesus of what his role, what his purpose, who he really is. But though they grow in understanding, the one thing that's consistently shown throughout all the Gospels that they they never quite understand is this, that he had to die, and that after he died, he would be raised up in three days. I mean, think about it. When he tells them this explicitly, Peter reprimands him and basically says, I'm not going to let that happen. And so, because they don't understand that Jesus must die in order to fulfill the Father's plan, when his hour comes and he is condemned to death, rather than rejoicing in the fulfillment of the divine plan, all but one of the apostles abandons Jesus, hoping against hope that their association with him won't cost them their own lives. I want you to take a second and place yourself in the mind of one of the apostles in this moment. I think it's pretty clear what one would have to be thinking, right? I've spent the last three years of my life following this man, who claimed he was the promised Messiah and the Son of God who would bring the kingdom of God to earth. I've watched him perform marvelous works, speak truth to my heart, and I have become utterly convinced that everything he said about himself was true. And today, he was put to death. There's a line from one of my favorite movies, The Matrix, that puts to words what it is the apostles must have been thinking. How can he be the one if he's dead? It doesn't take a whole lot of reasoning to come to the conclusion that the apostles must have. If he's dead, he was never who he said he was. Either he was a total lunatic who convinced me that his ravings were true, or worse, he was lying to us this whole time. I've wasted the last three years of my life, and now my own life is in grave danger because of having been associated with him. And yet, over the next 60 or 70 years, every one of these men was preaching the self-same word that was preached to them by Jesus, who in dying had by all appearances consequentially and horrendously failed them. What could have happened that would have led to such a shift? What could have made these men who were hiding for their lives, despairing over the fact that this man in whom they had placed all of their trust, all of their hopes, all of their faith, had died, turn around and spend their whole lives proclaiming all over the known world that every word he said was true? The only conclusion that makes sense to me is that what happened was precisely what they proclaimed happened. 
This man, Jesus, who in dying had seemed to fail them, rose again to new life. Some might argue that it could make sense to attribute the apostles preaching the gospel to simply not wanting to have been wrong, and I guess in a vacuum it would. It might not be the soundest explanation, but it would make sense. But in that vacuum, doing so, preaching the gospel, would have no consequences for them. But we know through scripture and we know through the objective study of history that that could not be further from the truth. Proclaiming the gospel of Christ and proclaiming Christ resurrected cost all but one of the apostles their lives. Each of them, aside from John, John was the only exception, died a violent death because they continued to proclaim Kyrios Jesus. Jesus is Lord. Yes, men and women throughout history have died for what is false. We see that illustrated vividly in modern terrorism and religious extremism. But what men and women do not do is willingly die for what they know to be false. If Christ never rose from the dead, it would be those 12 men who knew it. Yet all of them were willing to die, and in fact all but one of them did, to proclaim to all the world that he did. Well, that's our episode for today, folks. I hope that you enjoyed and that you're looking forward to our next episode in which we're going to talk about how, despite, you know, I guess the narrative that's out there, the miracles which Christ performed during his earthly life have not ceased to take place since he returned to his Father. Know that you're in my prayers, y'all, and I hope to see you guys soon. And until I do, remember, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Peace.